When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Welcome to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Here's your host, Todd McKim. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Bears coming off the opening day victory over UC Davis and now get set to face UNLV Saturday at 1.07. The kickoff time will be on the air with the Bud Light Tailgate Show beginning at noon. So I uh, hope you can join us, first of all, at the stadium, if not, on the airways for game number two of the season. A little bit later on, we will hear from our analyst, Mike Pulowski. Got him on the podcast this week. I had a good chat with Mike earlier today. And uh, we'll also have a special guest from the football team as well. Craig Woodson, who had a pick, really big pick, a pick six for a touchdown against UC Davis. Coach, uh, there's always one opinion right after a football game. There's uh, sometimes, quite often, another opinion two or three days after the game, and you've looked at all the tape multiple times. Uh, what are your final impressions of the game against UC Davis? Probably pretty close to right in line with what we thought, to be honest with you, this time. Uh, I'll be I'll be the first to tell you it's not always what you think right after the game. You know, you usually got to go watch the video to give you a better idea. But I think it was kind of what we thought after the game. Um, really slow start. Uh, that the guys battled through, which was great to see that. Nobody panicked. They just kept playing. And, uh, you know, both sides of the ball really settled down. And um, I thought there was strong individual efforts in, in all phases of the game. And it was nice to see some new faces out there. Kyle had just told me there are 22 guys played their first snap 
for the Cal Bears um, this past weekend. So that was good to get them going. Um, and then there's just so much that we can and, and will improve upon uh, in watching the video. And the guys certainly took that to heart. I mean, they, they were excited to win, but uh, really each and every one of them felt like we left quite a few plays out there. So it's uh, good to be back on the field and practicing and getting ready for UNLV. Yeah, I think 10 new starters making their first start for the Bears. And I counted on the participation chart, 64 players. I mean, that's that's an incredible amount. I mean, that's almost, well, it is three quarters of your roster, basically. So it was good to get a number of different people on tape. I mean, because you guys value, you know, tape so much. So it's great to see so many guys actually play. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them play just, you know, the rhythm of the game, you know, yeah. whether it's, uh, you know, the receivers, tight ends, running backs, uh, you know, the rotation at offensive line, really just a couple guys uh, outside the starting five. Defensive line rotated a bunch, outside linebacker rotated, inside linebacker rotated, uh, the secondary all rotated. Uh, so, and, and guys got in on special teams. So, yeah, a lot of guys played, you know, really in the first half even. So that was that was good to see. But uh, as we know, uh, there's just a lot of that, that film so valuable because there's so many things to improve upon on a given play. No question about it. You know, in athletics, one of the things that everybody likes to evaluate, coaches in particular, players as well. But how, how does somebody or how does a unit respond from adversity? And when you talk about adversity, you certainly had it offensively in the first seven plays of the game with a couple of sacks and a pick. Um, but after that, after the first quarter, your team responded. So what what did you take about your team's resiliency and the bounce back ability of your squad and your quarterback in particular after that initial pick? Yeah, I was, you know, it doesn't always go according to script. We obviously thought we would <clears throat> come out and play better than we did out of the gate there. But to see, uh, you know, the, offensively, you know, see Jack just real steady on the sideline and, um, you know, we knew we had seen in practice what we were capable of doing and we just needed to go out and do it. And uh, whether it's a combination of being new or, or you know, a few uh, cobwebs or little angst, whatever it might be, there's a combination. It was nice to play through that because it really the the first quarter offensively didn't get very many snaps and uh, much production. And then the, the remain, remaining three quarters did did a much better job. Uh, certainly things that we can still improve upon. I think we all know that, but it was a much better rhythm. Yeah, and defensively, and you talk all the time, and your team was exceptional last year. And the, the turnover ratio, takeaways versus giveaways, you only had 10 total giveaways last year. That And only two fumbles all year long. That was remarkable. Uh, but taking the ball away – when you go back and you look at the two picks, one by Craig Woodson for the pick six to start the second half, and then Jeremiah Irby actually saves a touchdown. I mean, those two plays, when you put them together in the scope of the game, are, are the two biggest plays of the game. It just shows how important turnovers can be. There's no doubt. I mean, the, the pick six uh, at the beginning of the second half was huge. Obviously, we need to go back out on the field and do a better job in the ensuing possession, uh, but a great play by Craig. And then Jeremiah Irby making a fantastic play uh, down near the goal line to whip his eyes around, catch the ball, and get his foot in. Uh, those two plays, uh, you know, that's a huge swing. And uh, not to mention Daniel Scott with the fourth down stop yeah. uh, earlier in the game. So um, 
we we can do a much better job, I think, defensively. And, you know, whether it's a couple of those third and mediums, third and shorts, uh, getting off the field early in the series better so we can flip the field position. And uh, and I think, you know, it all works together. But those two interceptions were huge plays in the game and excellent individuals uh, efforts by both those guys. Talk a little bit more about Craig Woodson, who missed all of last season with an injury. And I know he had to be nervous and anxious and and, and excited going into the game to, to finally be back out on the field and to come up with the interception. He almost had one in the first half as well. Just talk about his comeback and his perseverance and, and how well he played in the game. Yeah, I know he was eager to get going. Uh, it's been a long time since he played. He and I were talking about that. And uh, we expected Clay, Craig to play well. I mean, he, since he's been here, even when he his first year, he played four games as a freshman, but he redshirted and he was noticeable. I mean, he was making plays on scout team all the time. I mean, he used to have, it seemed like he had a pick every day. And then uh, he made some good plays on special teams as a, a true freshman. Then his redshirt year, you know, and uh, let's see here, it'd be 2020 now. I don't know if you remember, but he he blocked a punt the first game. Against, yeah, against UCLA. So, so Craig has always just found his way to be around the ball. And so it's not that surprising, but I know he was eager to get back out there in a full-time role and, you know, being out a long time, that's not the easiest thing to do. So I was really happy for him and uh, as were his teammates. You know, we've seen over the course of uh, the years that we've been covering this game and that the first game of the year is always a little bit unnerving. Uh, it's almost like a, a, a surprise party. It's almost like a Cracker Jack box when it comes to special teams. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, I watched Arizona. They actually had a punt from their own end zone that they they punted into the rear end of one of their upbacks. Uh, LSU had a PAT block that would have tied the game at the, on the last play of the game. But your special teams are pretty solid in game number one. You know, Dario, two for two. That, that last possession at the end of the half, and we've talked about this before, finishing the halves on a good note. I thought that was a that was a big turning point in the game. Yeah, it was. I mean, we I think you and I had spoke about that prior. Last year we did a poor job uh, both sides of the ball at the end of the first half and the start of the third quarter in quite a few games and so we were you know really focused on doing a better job there and it was nice put together a really good drive uh right prior to half, kick the field goal going in, then we come out and get the pick six and if we could have got a you know, if we wouldn't have the one drive touchdown on defense, I think probably the momentum of the game can shift significantly right there, um, even more in our favor. But uh, that was nice. The offense did a good job. Dario uh, kicking the field goal. I also thought the punter, Jamison, had a really good day. I mean, I think our net punt was in the high 40s, yep. and uh, he had a 63-yarder. Um, there were some really good individual efforts covering on kickoff and punt. But uh, there's there's definitely stuff that we could have done better. We had a punt return. Uh, we were really one block away from scoring on, um, which it takes 11 out of 11. And we showed that in the, in the team meeting. We got a pretty electric guy back there, and we got to get him going. But, uh, yeah, I think overall solid effort, but just uh, a lot that we can improve upon. Yeah, Shan averaged gross 49.8, so just a shade shy of 50. And his, as you mentioned, the net was 48, which yeah. is – Absolutely astounding in college football. So uh, good for both of those guys as well. All right, coming up, uh, game number two, UNLV. You get some familiarity with some of the folks uh, at UNLV. Marcus Arroyo, uh, you you were gone by the time I think Marcus was here in the, the 2010 and 11, I believe, under Jeff Tedford. Uh, Nate Longshore, outstanding quarterback for the Bears. We saw him actually last year at the, your game at UCLA. 
they had finished the night before, and he was he was down to watch the ball game, get to see Nate, and then uh, Keith uh, Hayward, who was your outside linebacker coach last year, and you, you've had Keith at a number of different stops in your coaching tenure. So there's some familiarity with the coaches. Let's talk more about some of their players because you know they put up big time points in their opener. Quarterbacks a lefty, he can move around. Wide receiver uh, Ricky White. Um, transfer from Michigan State is explosive. Your thoughts as you look at UNLV? Yeah, well, you mentioned, I mean, he put 45 points up in the first half. And the receiver, uh, running back, the quarterback, they all, a bunch of guys made plays. It wasn't just one guy. Um, you know, to put up that many points in the first half is impressive. Uh, so the explosiveness, the speed is going to be noticeable. Um, and defensively, you know, they did a really good job. I mean, uh, we know Keith and Mike Bruno and that crew very well. Um, and th- those guys play hard. I mean, it's, it's going to probably look familiar structurally. I'm sure they'll have their wrinkles just like we all do, but uh, there will be some familiarity in the structure. But ultimately, uh, it's the, uh, you know, players on the, play- on the field got to go out and execute. And um, we're, we're looking forward to a, a second week after this week of practice, just seeing, you know, how big of a jump we can make. But we know, you know, V is an explosive unit. Any particular areas where you hope to see the biggest leap of improvement? Well, I think uh, she's. Like, we could probably go through everybody, Todd. I mean, uh, offensively, we're, we're going to aim to start faster. Um, I think Jack threw some really nice passes, and he would tell you, he, even for him, he was probably not where he thinks he should be. Um, you know, I think in the receiver room, we can continue to improve there. The, the line of scrimmage, we need to do a better job at the line of scrimmage with at the point of attack. Um, pad level, coming off the football, blocking people. Um, defensively, same thing. Line of scrimmage, we can win more of those one-on-ones and tackling's got to continue to improve. And then in the past game, we had some op- uh, some opportunities last week to to m- knock the ball down on a third, third or fourth down and didn't quite get it on the ground. So we need to do a better job in some of our one-on-one coverages uh, in the past game. And as we mentioned before, the special teams, there's certain things that we got to shore up. Well, we look forward to it. I know you look forward to this week in practice, as you always do. We look forward to talking to you prior to the game on Saturday with UNLV coming to town. We appreciate your time, and uh, good luck the rest of the week. Keep everybody healthy, too. All right. Thanks, Todd. Go Bears. Joining us now is uh, one of the defensive stars in the Bears' victory over UC Davis last Saturday, Craig Woodson, who's a redshirt junior, six foot two ten from Grand Prairie, Texas, and Craig, before we talk about the game itself and your your pick six and all those other good things, tell us a little something about Grand Prairie, Texas, that maybe most of us don't know about. Yeah, um, I, I would say at first it started off as a more of a like a smaller city. I would say, I mean, a lot of people know each other, but uh, every time I go back home, man, it's like it's expanding so much now. It's like apartments everywhere now. So. Um, you know, they're getting more attractions, more entertainment uh, places, more food spots. Uh, it's really becoming like a, a major city, honestly, I would say. So, um, yeah, growing up there, I mean, mostly everybody knew each other. Um, you know, going to school, you would have a lot of uh, diversity, I would say. You know what I'm saying? It's not really just like predominantly one race. It was a lot of races, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really just a, a cool area, not really dangerous, anything like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, playing outside, you know, I'm just, just being a kid. It was pretty. Is it closer to to Dallas or Fort Worth? Uh, 
I would, it was kind of in between. Okay. It, it really is in between. Yeah. Probably about 15 minutes from each one, 15 to 20 minutes. Does that mean you're a Dallas Cowboys fan? Ah, uh, nah, nah. <laughs> really? I, honestly, no. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm originally born in Nashville, Tennessee, so oh. I'm going to go a Titans fan for sure. Um, but, yeah, my friend, uh, Miles Jernigan, he's a big Cowboys fan, and I'll be on him all the time because they always <laughs> <laughs> yeah, want to get into that. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan, but, I mean, I still support some now and then. How old were you when you moved to, to Texas? Um, I was about eight or nine. So I was, yeah, born in uh, Tennessee and then I moved to New Jersey for a year okay. and then I moved to Texas, uh, after that. So yeah, probably about eight or nine. So I'd, I'd have to, I guess you're probably a little too young to have been a Peter Sermon fan with the Tennessee Titans, your defensive coordinator, right? Yeah. I didn't even find that out until like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find that out until two years ago. I was like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even know, but Honestly, when Jackson Sermon came and um, he told me he was from Nashville, I was like, wait, like I'm from Nashville, too. And then we talked about it a little bit and uh, we got to know each other like that. But, yeah, I didn't even know that he played on the Titans until about two years ago. <laughs> yeah, he was a, a good player, had a great high, uh, high school career in the state of Washington. He was a, a safety and then went to Oregon as a, a linebacker, had a great career there and had a nice career in the NFL. So you guys have got s some more things in common this just the not just the X's and O's on the whiteboard in there, right? Oh, That's definitely, cool. yeah, definitely a lot more in common than we, we knew. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to the game against UC Davis. Before we talk about the plays that you made in the game, because you ended up being Cal's defensive player of the game, what was it like for you in the locker room after sitting out last year with an injury? And here you are as the countdown of the game is on, and you're you're sitting at the locker just before the team gets together and goes out on the field. What was that like for you? And what were the things that were going through your mind at that time? Yeah. So whenever we first arrived to the game, um, it was a lot of nerves, uh, you know, getting off the bus, seeing the fans and stuff. I was just like, whoa, like I ain't really felt this way in so long. Like <laughs> it, it just didn't feel familiar at first, but um, no, I got in there. And uh, like I said before, like I was kind of emotional about it. Just, just thinking about, you know what I'm saying, not being able to play, just being out, not feeling like I was a part of the team because um, I wasn't able to contribute last season. But then uh, as time went by and I was just sitting in the locker room, I just had to keep telling myself, like, you know, like, I'm built for this and I got this. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm capable and I'm ready to just go out on the field and just leave it all out there. You know what I'm saying? Just letting God handle everything above me. So I'm just going to go out there. I'm just playing my heart. How long did it take to get the butterflies out of the stomach? Uh, I would I would have to say probably about two or three plays into the game. <laughs> yeah, so probably like three plays into the game, I was like, okay, like, all right, it's coming back to me. I'm, I'm getting that game speed again, and uh, let's just go. Let's just play fast. Yeah, good for you. Did you you have Did you have confidence that everything would be fine for you? You know, the the knee would hold up and all that stuff. Do you worry about that stuff at all? Oh, no, for sure. Um, definitely got confidence about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm just trusting God on everything. So, you know, before the game, I just pray about it and just, you know, give it all to him and then allow him to just take my worries away and just comfort me and knowing that, you know, I worked so hard, you know, on this knee and that it's strong enough and it's capable to just go out there and play this game. So, um, no, I wasn't even nervous about it at all. I was confident that, you know, physically I was ready.
Yeah, and if you're not confident, you can't play. That's for sure. No question about it. So in the first half, you had you had your hands on a ball and yeah. uh, didn't didn't quite secure it. Uh, and as Coach Wilcox talked earlier in the podcast, he talked, you know, one of the things that you know athletes at any level have to learn is you get a little disappointment, but you can't let that get you down. You have to say, you know, the next time I get my chance, I make that play. And sure enough, second play of the third quarter, little hook route by the receiver for UC Davis. You, you jumped it. You caught it. As soon as you caught it, did you think you had a touchdown? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as soon as I caught it, I was just – I wasn't even looking back. I was like, you know, I'm going to go to the end zone and I'm going to run all the way there. Like, nobody's going to stop me. Uh, but the first uh, interception I'll drop, I was definitely, you know, feeling a little down about it at first, but I just had to tell myself, you know, like next play, like I can't dwell on this. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And even in uh, going into halftime, I was sitting in the locker room. And I was just thinking like, you know, I did not make that play, but at the same time, I'm about to shave back with six. I'm about to shave back right now. And I literally told myself that and it just came to life. Yeah. And it came early in the second half. Big play in the game. Up the lead to 24-7, and then you guys uh, did give up a long touchdown on the next series after celebration penalty in the end zone, um, which is always a, a learning experience for everybody as well. Uh, but you got the win. That's the most important thing. This week, you got UNLV in the house, oh. and they threw it all over the lot in their victory over uh, Charlie Ragel and the Bengals of Idaho State. Uh, they got an outstanding – couple outstanding receivers, Ricky White being – Maybe the guy that grabs the most attention. Uh, he had over 100 yards in their victory. Uh, your, your thoughts about UNLV, looking at some tape on them, and and how you guys prepare for them? Yeah, um, they definitely got a lot of good players on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and they do a good job in just running the ball. And even when they're passing, you know, RPOs and stuff like that. So, I mean, we'll watch a lot of tape this week. Uh, we got definitely got a game plan for them. So, you know, we're going to try our best to just stop their top concepts and then really just play fundamental football. I mean, honestly, if we just, you know, do what we're supposed to do, just execute our assignment and communication, I think we'll be, you know, just fine in handling these guys. Speaking of communication, what is it like to have a sixth-year senior back there in Daniel Scott that you and the other DBs can lean on during the game? Man, it's, it's really a blessing, honestly. You know, he has a lot of wisdom in his game. He's played a lot of snaps. So um, just having him in the backfield is, is kind of like, just man it's amazing honestly um you know just having him talk to us about you know what we might be expecting just anticipating things uh coming up in the game but just also just you know helping all of us younger guys uh as dbs um just get better honestly like every time we're in practice he's always on us on us and just talking to us and just you know telling us how we can just improve uh in a little way so it's definitely a a really good thing is just have back there with us so you've now matched him in pick sixes. He had the big one at TCU, and now you got the one against UC Davis. The other thing is that you made a little coaching change this year. You got two coaches back in the secondary. You got Trey Watson, who obviously was there a year ago. Uh, actually, ironically, came from UNLV, so he's yeah. probably pretty familiar with some of their personnel. And Terrence Brown, who was on the Washington staff, they put guys into the league every year up there. What's it like having two voices rather than maybe just one? It's really amazing just having both of those guys just, you know, having a lot of different knowledge at the same time, just being able to give it to all of us, you know, at one time. And uh, I think that 
really, we get a lot of details when we come into meetings. Uh, you know, Coach TV is on us about the little details and things like that. And Coach Trey is able to just also give us like, you know, uh, really good wisdom, I would say. Um, you know, he talks to us a lot uh, throughout the meetings and stuff. So uh, really just having both of them, it's honestly just better for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, just helping all of us get to where we want to be and just being honest, having two people honest at the same time. It really just makes us amp up, you know what I'm saying, our preparation. Final question before we let you go. Where were you at and what was your reaction to Jeremiah Irby's interception down at the one yard line? Man, that was a crazy play. Um, I was coming out the post because honestly, I thought the quarterback was going to throw it to the person I was going to. And then he ended up throwing it to the other guy. So I'm sitting there watching the ball is going slow in the air. I'm like, man, like, oh, shoot, is he going to catch this? I see him catch it at the last second. And I'm like, wow. Like, I just run over there. I'm just congratulating him. I'm just happy for him. You know, first one. But he's definitely going to uh, get another one soon enough. You know what I'm saying? But it, it was just cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, he seems to get one every practice. I know he had five or six in that fall camp. It was pretty amazing. So that's secondary. Had the moniker a couple of years ago, the Takers, with those guys that are now playing in the National Football League. And you guys might be the Takers part two. Uh, <laughs> you're off to a good start with two picks already this season. And you've got one of them. That was the pick six. Hey, Craig, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, terrific game against UC Davis. Hopefully you get a few more of those pick sixes as well. It was fun to watch. Thank you. I really appreciate you. You betcha. Craig Wicks in the, the redshirt junior safety from Grand Prairie, Texas. As the Bears get ready to take on the running Rebels from UNLV. We'll be on the air with the Bud Light Tailgate Show beginning at noon. The kickoff at 1.07 on the Cal Learfield Radio Network. Joining me now is uh, my cohort on the broadcast, along with Joe Starkey, Mike Pulowski, the Hall of Fame quarterback for the Bears. And uh, the season is underway with game number one. of assist you mentioned on the air. Saturday. It was just good to be back and, you know, kind of have a, a sense of normalcy for the off season and now into the season. Just felt so good to be back uh, playing some football and calling some games. And, and it was a game that, you know, Coach Wilcox said it couldn't have started much worse. Although, quite frankly, three years ago against UC Davis, Ashton Davis did fumble the opening kickoff that led to a UC Davis touchdown back then. But this time, first seven plays, there were two sacks and a pick. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, here we go, deja vu all over again. But second quarter, they kind of turned things around. And I, I thought, quite frankly, the insertion of Jaden Ott into the lineup in the backfield with that speed and the burst kind of energized the team, and and they took off from there. What did you think? Yeah, it could have been Jaden Ott. It could have been that they finally just got their legs under him, you know, first time. There's a whole bunch of new guys on this team, a whole bunch, you know, eight starters on offense have been replaced. And so anytime you get a whole bunch of new cats like that, it's – you know, you got you're a little wobbly to start off, and they were clearly wobbly. New quarterback, you know, new uh, new offensive line, except for two dudes. Um, you know, it took them a while to kind of get that underneath them. I thought Jay Knott was awesome. He's going to be really, really good. Yeah. You can see it as a freshman, right? He's going to be that kind of freak later on, uh, who's a pretty special player out there. And I think the speed of receiver was pretty nice, but um, yeah, I just think super shaky. Minus one yard at the end of the first quarter with an interception is no bueno, which is an official football term, as you know. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to make sure. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, is a cohort better than a partner in crime? Is it the same as, or is it kind of neutral? I think it's kind of the same as. Cohort, okay. co mean equal, I guess. Excellent. Uh, so okay. I, I think we'll go with the cohort. Term. I like it. Cohort yeah. works, yeah. 
What did you think of uh, Jack Plummer? Well, after that first quarter, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. So early, the a couple things early on. Um, pass protection. Remember, he got sacked early. It was yep. a secondary blitz. As I watch film, it's, that's on him. Like, he has to be able to see that. He has to pick up that blitz. He has to replace that with the ball, understand where his hot is. So that was not on the offensive line. That was not on the backs. That was on Jack. And so I think he had some kind of first game jitters going out there. You know, here's, and it's understandable a guy who lost a job last year to a really good quarterback, you know, in Purdue. And then he comes out here and he wants to prove himself on the West Coast, first game, new team. Um, you know, he had some first game jitters and it showed some balls behind his guy. But then once he settled in, I thought he looked really good. The play that did it all, and I will break this down on my podcast later in the week. You will have the video of this. Uh, later in the game, he gets he has to climb the pocket, right? So yep. he drops back. He has to climb the pocket hard. And he climbs the pocket. At that point, most quarterbacks are panicking. And he had a flat route, and then he had a tight end who, who had run a shallow cross, but then he climbed. And Jack stepped up, zero panic to him whatsoever. He took the flat defender with his eyes, he looked him down to the fullback in the flat and froze him. And then he threw the over-the-top ball to the tight end. It was, I mean, that was a high-quality quarterback play. That was next-level stuff for him. And so once I saw that, I'm like, yeah, this is the dude. Like, this is – there's a difference between last year and this year with that quarterback position because he he keeps his composure when the pressure's on. He wasn't looking to run. He was looking to complete a pass downfield. And when I saw that, I'm like, yep, it's the dude. And he's got every throw. He's got the height. Um, I said it before the game and it came out sneaky athletic, right? Yeah. A couple moves in the game yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. where you're like, wow, this guy can actually move a little bit. He's six, five. He looks lanky, but he is sneaky athletic. I'm gonna use that all year long. I think it's, I'm thinking I'm going to trademark it. You know, you and I talked to him. You should make a couple of t-shirts. That'd, that'd be awesome. We talked to him, uh, after the second scrimmage in fall camp, had a nice conversation with him after mm -hmm. that scrimmage. And, um, he talked a little bit about his mobility. He's not a, a guy that's, uh, you know, going to be a, an elusive guy all the time. But that spinorama he had on the one play, got the hand down, kept his balance. I think he picked up, I don't know, 12, 13 yards, got the first down. I mean, that's – I've always said in college um, football, maybe not so much in the old days, the pros, although that's changed with the Mahomeses and some of these other guys that can run in the NFL. But quarterbacks got to be able to make – some plays happen with his legs and they don't have to be long gains. It's just pick up a first down or avoid a sack or whatever it happens to be. So he showed that ability. I thought in this game, that's it. You got to be able to move the sticks, right? Yeah. The, the problem with the guys like Steve Young and even Chase Garbers for that matter, right? So athletic, they know they can run. They feel comfortable running the football, that that becomes part of their progression. Mm. And if you're a quarterback and running is part of your progression, then it gets you through your progression too fast. I want you to work through your progression because you will never be able to run the ball down the field as fast as you can throw it down the yeah, field. Yeah. And as good as you might be as a runner, the running backs and receivers are better, period. And so I want you to get the ball into the hands of the athletes, let them earn their scholarship checks. And then if everything breaks down now, can I avoid one guy and pick up four yards? Can I avoid one guy and pick up 15 yards? Whatever that is. Can you get the most out of the green grass that's in front of you? Because if you're a passer, guys are going to drop off. Defensive linemen are going to come upfield, and you're going to create some green grass situations. And so I think that's where Jack Plummer is going to be really good because he is, you know, he's he's relatively fast. I, I wouldn't say he's any faster than a four eight, but that's plenty fast for a college quarterback. And he is elusive enough and aware enough to make one guy miss. That's perfect. He's a passer first. 
he can pick up the first down when he needs to. What you think of the play of the the offensive line? Uh, you mentioned the two sacks, one of which, at least one of which of the two was not directly attributable to the offensive line. Um, overall, there were, there were not a lot of huge gains, but uh, they, they were able to certainly towards the end of the game, uh, keep the clock moving, run the football, you know, secure the victory by running the football. What, what did you think overall of the O-line? I think that kind of the way you frame that <laughs> tells you they weren't able to really move the ball and dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, and yeah, the one sack wasn't on them. It was on Jack, yeah. but there was edge pressure, hard edge pressure that was forcing Plummer to climb the pocket all day long. And so my concern is this, if that's versus UC Davis and no disrespect to the Aggies, cause they are going to be a really good football program in the big sky this year. I think they'll challenge for the big sky, but they're in the big sky. Yeah. They're not in the Pac-12. So if that's what Davis is doing, what is Notre Dame going to do? What is USC going to do? What is Oregon going to do? Like it, your, your level of competition has to come up and that offensive line's level of play is going to have to come up. And I, you know, I love the big guys. You, I, I get, try to give them as much love as possible, but sometimes tough love is important too. And this is tough love for those guys. They need to get better because that will not cut it in Pac-12 play. Yeah, there's no question about that. We'll, we'll learn a little bit more this week against UNLV, which uh, will have some better athletes defensively, no question about it. They're coming off a big win in their opener two weeks ago, so they get the, the bye week basically to get ready for the Golden Bears. Before we talk about them, though, what were your general impressions of the Pac-12 this past weekend? I mean, all this off-season news, Mike, about realignment, and, uh, I mean, the focus is even was even more – on the Pac-12 this weekend than normal because of all of this talk and realignment and who's going to go where and who's going to stay and who's not this, that, and the other. And, and, and you got arguably two of our top three or four teams, you know, lost Oregon got demolished. I watched that game again last night. Uh, that, that was a case of the Marines versus the ROTC in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, Georgia didn't, they, they haven't skipped a beat from what they did last year in Oregon just looked awful. I thought, particularly on defense where they were supposed to be pretty good. And then I was really disappointed with how the Utah Florida game ended there because that would have been a good win on the road for Utah. They're probably right now, along with USC, the standard bearer in our league, even though USC might not be where they think they should be uh, this, this year. Uh, what were your overall impressions? So um, I thought, you know, I watched that Oregon. I saw the score first, the Oregon game. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that is, an, you know, it's like uh, being a narc at a biker rally, right? They just got beat <laughs> down. It, it uh, like, and then I watched it and Oregon actually moved the ball pretty well early. And it was dumb mistakes. If the running back, from the transfer from Minnesota could catch, they'd have four or five more first downs and probably a couple big plays against Georgia. Um, and so they, early they moved the ball decently. Their defense, boy. I mean, Georgia just owned their defense. They just, they were taking chunk plays. They were moving it at will. Like Oregon's off, or excuse me, Georgia's offense just crushed Oregon's defense. And so um, I, I thought, A, we're not going to hear a lot more about how Oregon's the cream of the crop and they should be in the Big Ten and they should have been the first. Like, that's over. That For the rest of the season, that's over. We're not going to hear that discussion anymore. Um, so uh, or, Georgia just looked bigger, faster, stronger on offense, period. That's all it was. Uh, I thought Oregon's 
offense looked okay. Bo Nix was good. He made some dumb throws, you know, which is what he does. Yep. And so we'll see. Jury's out on them. The one that really hurts is Utah because that's the number one team in your conference, Pac-12. And they're going into a rebuilding, yep. you know, air fingers quotes, rebuilding Florida team. And they lose. And yeah, it's on the road. It's in the swamp. It's tough. So what? It's supposed to be the top team in the Pac-12, number seven, a ranked team, top 10 ranked team against an unranked Florida. And they go and they lose. And so that one really hurts the conference. Yeah. Any argument that, that the conference had about, look, we should be in there in the competition, in the discussion for the championship games. I just think it went out the window in week one. Yeah, I think you're right. Because if your top two teams can't make some noise on the road, you know, I didn't expect Oregon to win. But how about if we put a touchdown on the board, just one? Like just score, like and not kick a field goal. So okay, that that's over. And then Utah goes in, and I thought Cam Rising was going to pull it out, boy. I thought that was going to yeah. be awesome. In which case, then you could say, well, they're on the road in Florida, and it's so tough and hot, and you know. But they didn't, and they didn't pull it out. And so that that, that uh, it does not. It takes a little bit of the shine off the of Pac-12 if there was any shine left after the whole desertion from SC and UCLA to begin with. Yeah. So I thought I'll tell you this. SC's offense is for real. Yeah, they got some dudes. They got dudes. Yeah, they got they got dudes. I love the quarterback. Their skill positions are awesome. Uh, they're running the air raid, like the heavy air raid. So they're running the air raid, but they're running counter and power, and they're running pin and pull and all the fun stuff inside that you do uh, as an offense that can run the football. They're moving really nice on that offensive line. Their defense, however, is going to be um, a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Alex Grinch, I think, has some work to do on that defense because they, I mean, Rice was giving them the football on tip passes. If Rice didn't give the ball up, that game is different. But SC's offense is going to be tough to stop this year. Yeah, I agree with you there. USC had three pick sixes, you know, 21 yeah. points on defense. I mean, that tied the Pac 12 record for interception return for touchdowns in a game. I thought the two most impressive wins of the weekend, Mike, were Arizona. Winning at San Diego State. They christened that new stadium for the Aztecs, and they beat them pretty soundly. Uh, Jaden LaLaura had four touchdown passes that transferred from Washington State. It was the Pac-12's offensive player, freshman offensive player of the year last season for the Cougars. And then in watching the Oregon State win over Boise State, going in, you're thinking, wow, Oregon State, and they're kind of ascending. Boise State, an established program, great record over the last 20 years, but Boise State had a down year last year, and boy, if if I if I watch that game over and over again, I'm thinking Boise State's they're they're in a world of hurt. But Oregon State and Arizona, I think, had the two best wins uh, for the league this past weekend. Oregon State for sure, yeah, right. That, like that was if you watch that game, it was dominating. They yep. just road graded up front. Uh, I thought they were good on the back end, right? Nolan was really good at quarterback. I thought. Um, their receivers could even get better is a funny thing in that game. I think Oregon State's receivers can be better than they were in that game. But defensively, they were ball hawking. There was pressure. Like, it, that was a great win for Oregon State. So I think that was kind of a marquee win for the conference. Arizona seems so impressive because we think of the Arizona that was, you know, a couple of years ago. And they were so bad before Jed Fish got there. And I just think – I think he's turned that program around. I think he's – going to turn out to be one of those transformative coaches who comes in, completely turns the program around. His recruiting was stellar. And so 
He's got some talent there now. He knows how to use it. He got some transfers in, Jane Delore being one of them. I think Arizona has a – I mean, they're not going to win the conference. Don't get me wrong. But they're going to make some noise this year. Uh, they're a much better team than people give them credit for. And because you have that stale memory of what Arizona was, I think some teams won't get up for that game and it's going to be trouble for them. But Arizona's a way better team than we give them credit for right now. We'll find out more about them this week. They got your buddy, Mike Leach, going to Tucson. Yes. Mississippi State against Arizona. That That's one of the more intriguing games of the weekend. Going to be super fun. Yeah. Like, you know, I got to spend time with Leach yeah. in camp. And so – like watching those guys now and knowing all those guys by name, sitting in the quarterback room, talking to those guys uh, makes it super interesting for me too. And I, that's one that I am going to watch with rapt attention. I guarantee it. First, first to 35 or first to 40 wins that game. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true. Like it could be a shootout all the way. This, you know, you got Delora back there. That's Leach's guy. Yeah. Right. He brought him in Yeah, and then, you know, he's got his guy down in, in, uh, in Mississippi too. So like it's, it's, they scored what 49 last week, yep. Mississippi state. So they were really good on the board. Um, I, that's just gonna be a fun game to watch. How about the bears and UNLV UNLV pretty, you know, they struggled last year. Uh, Marcus Arroyo, former Cal assistant back in the early 2010s with Jeff Tedford. Uh, you got Nate Longshore is the quarterback coach down there. You've got Keith uh, Johnson, Keith Hayward Johnson, who was uh, on the Cal staff last year's outside linebacker coach. So there'll be some familiar faces. And they they look pretty good offensively in that first game. Granted, the talent level against them wasn't all that great, but they got a wide receiver from Michigan State. The quarterback is big and, and strong, left-hander. So uh, I'm sure they're going to come in with some confidence on Saturday. I'm sure they will. It's uh, Again, so I think this is one of those games where it's up to the line. Like, is the offensive line going to be up to the challenge? If they're up to the challenge, I think Cal across the board has more talent. That, that receiving group we just saw last week, we just saw the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, they are so talented, and they were kind of just off early on, second play of the game. Like, if Plummer sets his feet, he strokes a post to uh, J. Mike, and, and that's six points going to the house, you know, early. And so I think that uh, – if the offensive line and the defensive line too, it's both sides of the ball. If both those guys can handle their business. I think the bears win this one, you know, by a three touchdown spread. If they don't handle their business, this could be really close. Yeah, it could be. And you got to play well to win each and every week. It doesn't matter who you play against. So it'll be fun to watch. We'll be on the air with the pregame show beginning at noon, Mike and I and Joe Starkey. So join us for that as the bears take on UNLV. Hey, appreciate your time. We will uh, look forward to seeing you and, and hearing you on Saturday. Hopefully, you'll be able to hear me on the sidelines. We get some of those <laughs> issues. Intermittently. Man, I mean, we tested the mic before the game, and the first half it was fine. And then the second half, we had, we had ghosts, uh, mechanical ghosts somewhere along the line because the mic was good after the game as well. But hopefully, we'll get things all squared away and we'll be able to chat during the course of the contest. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll see you on Saturday. Absolutely a blast. Thanks for having me on, brother. All right, Mike Pulowski, Joe Starkey, myself on the call Saturday, the Bears against UNLV at the California's Memorial Stadium. That wraps it up for this week's podcast. We appreciate the thoughts of Justin Wilcox and also our special guest, Craig Woodson, as well, as we get you up to date with what's going on with Cal football. Until next time, I'm Todd McKim. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears.
This has been Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics, with your host, Todd McKim. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the California Golden Bears Sports Network. <laughs>